Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1871 podcast again, and we have a very special guest with us. Absolutely delighted to welcome former Royals assistant manager, Wally Downs. Hello, Wally. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, Wally. You're welcome, fellas. How you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. And, and Wally, we're all very envious, of course, because you're out in Jamaica. Um, perhaps you could start, you know, we want to hear about your time at Reading, but, but start by telling us how, you know, how, how your work out in Jamaica came about and, and how that's all going for you. Uh, well, there was a guy I met in Las Vegas about 10 years ago. Um, was a, he, was, he was in the World Poker Series at the time. And uh, we just got chatting and spent a couple of days with each other. Didn't think nothing of it. And then about a year, well, two years ago now, a friend of a mutual friend of ours told me what he'd done. And he sort of he has a, a home in in um, Jamaica, loves his football, and started up an academy. Uh, to very philanthropic thing to do, you know. He's he feeds clothes and educates about 140 kids for nothing at the complex that he set up. And he's trying to get young footballers through. And he wanted uh, the local coaches, and he took them so far, and he wanted to, to give them better standard of coaching. So he had me, an English coach I did, came out here, and I'm the technical director. So I oversee the academy work and try to introduce a pathway from there into the first team that they've, that they've got playing in the Jamaican Premier League. So uh, we've got about seven kids through into the first team at different stages so far. Uh, two of the under-20s have made it into the national team, which is a massive thing for the school because they've only been going four years, five years, and two of those were sort of COVID-restricted. So all going quite well. Very difficult for the first team to win, those, uh, to, win to win the league because all the top historically clubs in Kingston on the other side it's, there's not as many kids to, uh, players to choose from getting them to come to the other side of the island's difficult so that's that's a tough one you know we don't get the best players who want to come into the first team so 
subsequently we have to sort of break the bank all the time to try and get good players. But it's a tough one. It's yeah, a tough and, one. and that the role that you're doing now, Wally, how, in terms of your enjoyment and your satisfaction, um, how does how does it compare to you know your time at Reading, your time at Brentford, for example? Uh, different role. Uh, you know, it's 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 something that I hadn't done before. I'd always I've never worked with kids. I still seen the bar and kids and a lot of and uh, I'll tell you, but I enjoy it because uh, you see a progression. Uh, you know, I've always been some keep a niche saying at the moment you only have three or four games away from the sack in football uh, but here you know you have the, the chance to sort of develop things and move things and you're not really that reliant on the next immediate couple of results it's a bigger picture yeah and are you, how are you enjoying life out in Jamaica yeah it's lovely um it, it hasn't been great because of COVID. You know, I feel, feel sorry for the Jamaican people because they got locked down and they rely on tourism so much. And the boats weren't allowed to come in and the holidaymakers weren't here. And, uh, you know, I haven't really seen a full, full-on Jamaica really yet. You know, I've seen bursts of it. It's coming to life a little bit now, but um, I've got sort of <laughs> used to the uh, the lockdown, my time alive on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Well, Wally, we're we're struggling a little bit with with the connection, but we're we're going to um, carry on and and hopefully, uh, hopefully, the listeners will be able to be able to hear you. Right, yeah, I'll try. I'll, yeah. I'll try somewhere else, a little bit away from the, from the. We, we have this. We have, this um, we have former Reading player Dylan Kerr on. Sometimes he's out in South Africa and. We have similar issues with, with him sometimes. So yeah, sure. the, the listeners are used to this. So that's okay. But um, j- just wonder, Wally, uh, do you still follow Reading's progress? And, and if you do, you know, what, what do you make of what's happened in the time since you've left Reading? <laughs> well, there's been some, some, some good times since, hasn't there? You know, Brian took you up after we left. But, you know, there's been a been a bit choppy with the uh, different owners and you know it's, uh, it's it's gone the way of a lot of, the way of a lot of clubs have gone you know there's new investments required where does it come from how good are the people who are coming in you know when you had John in, John in charge of it with Nigel you sort of you knew what your parameters were I didn't really profess to know all about football and we're happy to let you get on with it. Uh, gave, you the, gave you the finances and, and you worked within those and they didn't really change and they didn't move. It was a simpler time because, you know, there was a couple of agents around, but easy enough to deal with. Now you have the sharks that come, that come with the new ownership, new CEOs, have favourite agents. Agents want to work with the foreign people and... You know, it's, it's 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 different to the way that we were working when we were at Reading, and it's fraught with danger. And and uh, at the moment, I know the Royals are, are having a bit of a tough time of it and trying to recover out of 
what you'd have to say was a sort of checkered ownership period you've had for the last, um, well, you tell me, 10 years, is it? Yeah. Well, ever since John, ever since John sold his sold yeah. out property. Yeah, and by the way, Wally, the the, the sound is is good now. So um, you've, okay. obviously found, you've obviously found a good spot there. So this yeah, is- I'm sitting under the sink. <laughs> <laughs> take take us back to your time at Reading, and and you know, what do you remember about when that first came about? What were your kind of hopes um, and expectations, if you like, for when you first joined Reading? Um. Well, the expectation when I first came, I'd sort of just I'd been managing Brentford, and Steve had been at Brentford the year before, and um, I think he he came into Reading around Christmas time, and sort of just didn't make the playoffs. If I'm right, that was before I went there, and um, and he said, "Come in the next, come in the next season." He'd been he'd been asked to use the uh, the staff that were there. Kevin Dillon and and Brian was there. And uh, and he said, obviously, you know, we, we've got to get into the into the uh, into the Premiership. That's what the chairman wants. I think he said he's given me a million quid to spend on on players, which seems a long <laughs> way away now. Um, and we got a few in and got going, and 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 I wasn't sort of um, as active on match days then because Kevin was. Kevin had been there for a while and and he had his place on the touchline and you know that was I sort of I sat upstairs next to Steve in that first year and you know we sort of sat and discussed how things were going up there and and but I came down at half time in, in the uh, dressing room but uh, I wasn't as active on the touchline as, as in the in the first year as I, as I went on to be and uh, it looked like the club was sort of flirting with the playoffs. Uh, what I'd seen previously, you know, I've been cut, they, you, we cut, I say we, we, Reading, got promoted when we at Brentford didn't get promoted and, and sort of after that, the Royals had, had a, forgive me for swapping around clubs there, um, you know, it, Reading had progressed with, with pards and were threatening and 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 you could see they were threatening, and they just and, and Alan got taken because he sort of moved them up and, and got them to be threatening. But it needed a push. It needed a push to, uh, to get it on there. Yeah, it was sort of it was as though Reading, oh Reading are doing well, aren't they? You know they're in the sort of nearly in the playoffs, or they might be in the playoffs and they've dropped out of the playoffs. And it it was just it was nice, you know. It was good old Reading sort of thing, push just pushing up there. So. Uh, you know, Steve said, "Come along." He said, "I think we've been given an opportunity to succeed," and that was all. That was what Steve always wanted whenever he went into a club was the the ability to be able to succeed. You know, he came in at Brentford when, as I said before, we were lower down, but there was an opportunity to succeed at what whatever level it was. If you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but, uh, Wally, what was the what was the difference you feel? You know, in those terms that that you brought in. Personally, you, what what did you do to, that you felt made a difference moving forward? Uh, well, initially, I said to Steve, "Look, it looks like what you've been, what they've been doing, has been okay, but it's not enough." I said, "You know, we've we've got to, we've got, oh, yeah, I got to think. Oh, you know, if I'm here, I've got to add value somehow." I said, "You know, you, as I said, you've got Kevin and Brian uh, doing 
you, you're not, you don't want to get rid of them. They're decent blokes, good coaches. I said, but, you know, if I'm coming, I've got to add something. So he said, well, have a think about it. What do you, what do you want to do? I said, well, look, how about if I work with the defence and, and make that a separate unit? Take them away. Have different, it's not, it hadn't been done at the club before, and different meetings and, and reviews and, uh, and goals and targets, specifically with the, with the defence. And uh, that went well. That went well because it, it was new and it was something different. And uh, it, it really focused and it sort of, it, it made things very competitive on the training field because, you know, I did, if I was putting the sessions on, it would be, come on, don't let this lot score, you know, and be riling the forwards, you know, you've got 10, 10 waves of attacks now, how many are you going to score? And it got very, very competitive and, and, and there was full buy-in from, from all of the defence. And uh, it, it's like anything in football, you know, you, there's nothing you can do magically different on the training field, you know, hour and a half's work every day. But if you can get a group of players focused and going in the right direction, then that's half the battle. And, and what I sort of decided to do was get a group within the group that were focused and just knowing what they had to do and, and, and working from that. And, and, and I couldn't have asked for a better response really in that. In the, um, in the first year where we just didn't make the um the playoffs but you know it it, it was a thing that you know we, we were defending very well and 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 then that was a success i'd have to say in that first year uh, but again we just, we just didn't make the playoffs that year yeah and 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 obviously lo- loads of success to to follow and you know fantastic time to be a reading fan when you know when you were involved at the club Johnny, do you do you want to come in now? I know there's one particular person you want to ask, uh, Wally. Yeah, about. I, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, like you know, the team that the last few years haven't had the, the, the battle or the fighting spirit that you had. And but I think one of the iconic games was that Sheffield United game with uh, Mr. Warnock. You know, now he's retired this week. What are your thoughts of him at that time, that game? Just looking back, and I know you weren't particularly proud of it. I think afterwards, but. That spirit was there, wasn't it? I wasn't proud of myself because I should have clumped him harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I, he, he was a he's a divisive figure, you know. I, I didn't like him, and I knew that he'd, he'd been fined, you know, by the FA before. He sh- one of his things was, you know, break his leg. Now that was the sort of thing people used to say in the fifties and sixties. And although it never really, you know, it it was more of a term than an instruction always. But, you know, just think, just to hear it said to about one of your players, it just, it just, uh, it just tipped me over the edge. I, I didn't like it. And, you know, even, even his, def- his defence always was, yeah, but I, you know, I used to say, I didn't mean it. And all of a sudden, what happens one day if a fella does tackle a fella and he breaks his leg and you've, and you've shouted the instruction, you know, you you got the young players out there, it's, 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 and I knew that he probably didn't mean it, but I knew that he used to say it, and I knew what that would instill into his players. Yeah. You know, let's start putting it about. It was basically what he's saying, and he said, "Break Sid Wells' leg," and I didn't like it. So it happened a few years later as well when it, when you, I think the promotion season with Warnock, the Leeds game, I think 
you know, Jem Karachan got a bad injury from some fouls from some of the players as well. So it's it's, it's not needed, is it? I, you know, in, in the game. No, well, he's, he's just not. He's you know, he's, he, you can't knock what he's done because he's done a load of games. But uh, you know, his reputation as a person and and, and and the stories that follow him around about signing players and you know and uh, inducements, all, all sorts of stuff like that. He just weren't my cup of tea. Fair enough. <laughs> on, on a different time, at the same time, a different story. That that team. How how easy was it to coach them when you were there? Well, that, that's 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 half the battle with with the. With, with a football team, you know, you have to have players that are coachable. Uh, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're Man United or, or, you know, big top clubs, there's not that much coaching to do. You just have to get them to believe in what you're doing and babysit them every day and give them some focus. Whereas our boys, it, it was a case of about building a team, building a team and then buying into the ideas that we had. So... They had big ears and big eyes and wanted to listen and wanted to learn. And uh, I think you can see that. I think we were well-drilled. People knew how we, how we wanted to play. The fans knew how we wanted to play. They enjoyed how we played. The players enjoyed playing that way. They enjoyed the success. And when, it, and when you get that sort of role, you have to ride the wave. It was, uh, you know, you, you, you keep forcing your ideas on them. And the more of them that are successful, the more... The more they want to take on board those, the more the more receptive they are to the ideas, and you know everything that we sort of tried, they enjoyed and worked. We didn't come out of anything ridiculous, but kept it simple with some some tweaks and try this and do that. And, you know, it, it was it was a good time. It was like um, I think everybody everybody during that period, I'd say Steve was at his best as a manager. He was sort of, which I think he's six years older than me. I mean, I was, I was about forty-five. I, I'd sort of, I'd, I'd been, as I said, I've been coaching since I was twenty-eight. So when you're twenty-eight, you're just roaring around still like a player. You know, it's a, yeah. you've got ideas, but you haven't matured enough, and you're, you're not really sure how to deal with people. I'd had a, a spell as a manager. I'd coached at, a, you know, a, a decent level at Palace and and and, that, and at Sheffield United. And and I I think at that age you know I was still young enough and and to relate to the players, and I had my own ideas about how things should be done. Kevin had been there a long time; he knew the club, so he was very helpful with it, you know in telling us how to navigate around certain situations. Yeah, and and I think it was like the perfect storm. We were all we were all certainly Steve and myself were at our best period there. I think if you yeah. if you look at managers and. You know, good managers, they can be young, but I mean, you know, they say they get better with age. Steve was 50-odd. I was, uh, you know, mid-40s. Good time for a coach. You can still sort of play a little bit. You can show them, you can demonstrate. You can be moving around with them. So I think it was, a, 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 as I said, a perfect storm. And we had young players who, who wanted to, to learn and, and were hungry to win. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And yeah. Wally, one of those 
one of those players who, who you talked about uh, being able to coach well was um, was Sonko because you know we we spoke to him on the podcast and, and he said you know when he when he first came to England at, at Brentford and and then during his time at Reading he he wasn't the the best player but w- was he a really good example of someone who who took instructions well? Yes, he was. He was uh, you know he's, when I signed him at Brentford he he, he had no English. I'd seen him play a trial game for Fulham and he was, you know, like Bambi on ice. Uh, but you could see that, uh, you know, he had a bit of composure about him. And when you spoke to him, even though it was fractured French and English, he wanted to do well and he had a great manner. All the tools were there. Great size, great athlete. Make him work. Keep it simple with him. Put him, put him in part of a group and watch him flourish and, you know, he he became a leader of the group. You know, he was, he, there was some good, strong characters in the defence, but, you know, Sonko was a quiet leader. You know, they, they really looked up to him. And and he was great. He was great for going all in on, on you know, the concept of, of, of us working as a smaller group. He really liked that, you know, that we were together as a group. He was very, very good at bonding people. And and you obviously had that amazing 106 season and then on into the, the Premier League, you know, fantastic season following on from that. Um, how much of the of that success in, in that first season in the Premier League was was down to, you know, a bit of momentum and how much of it was down to the, the character and application of, of the players? What what was the balance like there? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just... If you get all the little ducks in the right order, there's momentum. You can move forward with it. Um, you know, we had Premier League players who hadn't cracked it at the top clubs. You look at City and Harper. You know, they'd been at the Arsenal, nearly made it at the Arsenal, but, you know, dropped out and earned the right to go back in there. So it wasn't something that sort of scared them. Uh, there was people with, with kits and what, had, had something to prove every day against the world, you know, and, and, that, and that was always good for us. And Leroy had been at Chelsea for a long time and, you know, got rejected. So he'd it, it, been around Premier League players all the time and, 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 and he had his opportunity to get back in there and, and prove his worth in there. So there was, there was a sense of revenge for some of the players, you know, getting back in and showing what they could do. And... Uh, I think that that momentum of the of the of the championship year took us a long way. Uh, and you played at, at Wimbledon, of course, part of the the crazy gang. And, and how much of that crazy gang spirit do you feel that that you kind of brought to the Reading players and and they adopted, if you like? Um, well, coming through in a group like that was all about team spirit at Wimbledon. You know, it was. Uh, everything we did was as a group and very similar thing. We were well coached by Bassett. And uh, so I knew the value of, of, of team play. I knew, I knew the value of, 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 of all for one and one for all. And, and, and you had to instill that. I mean, I was, uh, I'm not sure where I would stand now with the amount of, um, it's, you, you adapt as a coach, but certainly my style of coaching was, very sort of um, not in your face, but vocal and encouragement and, and getting the boys together, come on, work right, push, push, push all the time, you know, keeping on very intense, keeping the intensity high. Not sure that that works 
today with the different nationalities that are around and the way think the way kids come through now. You know, it's, there's not a lot of teams that that work that way now. You know, it's, there's a lot to be said for individual coaching and 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 personal development and stuff like that. Whereas I was very much getting the group together, getting the team bonded, making them work for each other. You know, for for want of a better word, you know, like a, a raucous, come on, we do this. So very, very, very um, vocal and very intense about how we did it, which is lost a little bit nowadays. I think, you know, I see when I, towards the end, when I was coming out from England, players in the dressing room with their headphones on and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a different time. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that I, I did take that sort of building a team spirit and, and a collective with a common purpose into clubs whenever I went there. And Johnny, do you want to come back in now? We've got, got something else um, to yeah. chat to Wally about. Yeah, well, I was just saying, like, because you, you worked with Sam Allardyce as well, didn't you, for a while, and with Steve. Like, you know, they're the managers like that now kind of out of fashion in the game for some reason. I know Steve kind of mentioned it when we spoke to him. But, like, I don't know, what do you think of the modern game compared to those times and the way things have moved on? Uh, well, as I say, the game does move on. You know, when I, when, I, when I was at Wimbledon, we was the sort of the bastard child of the 80s that, 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 that was thrown up, you know. The, state, the 70s was the terraces and fighting and the pitches were crap. And, the, you know, there's bad tackles going on. And I think sort of we at Wimbledon, was a sort of flagship for that. You know, we were a sort of snarling, nasty team. Although, you know, that was a lot more hype than, than it was reality. Although Vin, Vinny didn't mess about when he got going. But, uh, but nowadays, you know, that, that, that game is finished. Uh, there's, it's evolved. There's, it's very cyclical. I think uh, if you are Guardiola, if you are Liverpool and you get the top players and they have bought the best players, their recruitment's been fantastic. You can still use that um, team spirit thing, you know, because if you have 100 million pound players and they have the humility to run and work for the team, that's when you've cracked it. And that's what those two uh, teams have got. If you look at the Arsenal, they've had their problems with it. They've had sort of, they want to play this beautiful, expensive game, but they don't really want to work that hard or they didn't early season. He's got rid of a couple and, and the atmosphere's changed there. Same thing, we look at Man United. You know, they, they've got good players, but have they got the humility to work hard and run hard and do the, do the hard things in, on the football field? I don't think they do. So to play the way that is vogue at the moment, which is a very expansive, long game, you know, starting from your own six-yard box, yeah, playing, playing up beyond the back four, you know, the game can be sort of, 80 yards very quickly. Very direct in some ways because if 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 uh, teams press Liverpool or Man City, their goalkeepers are very, very quick to ping it 70 yards over the top to Salah or or 70 yards over the top to whichever false nine Man City are playing with on the, on the day. So it's, it's a little bit different to... But the difference is previously, up till about 10 years ago, eight years ago, you tried to play football in the opposition's half where it was dangerous yeah. and you could get goals. Now, you try and play football in your own half to exploit the space behind. 
and move it up the pitch. So it's changed. It's not as frenetic. There's opportunities for mistakes to happen and there's opportunities to regain possession up by the opposition's goal. Now, you know, I don't sound like a dinosaur, but we was doing exactly that in 1982 under Dave Bassett. Regain possessions in the opposition's final third, you know, win the ball back as fast as you can. Steve Cottle, as soon as you lose it, five-yard frenzy to get it back. Same thing as Man City and Liverpool are doing now because, you know, Pep and, and uh, Klopp of so this Gengham press and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it's not new. But what it is, is getting, players, it's getting the top players to buy into doing it. Now, Man United, they've took this Rangnick guy because the Germans said that he was the father of it, which I dispute <laughs> enormously. But he's got players there who don't want to do it. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying about having buy-in and collective spirit and common purpose. You know, you, this is how we're going to play. We're going to press high. We're going to run hard. We're going to work hard. I'm giving you 150 grand a week. You're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Then you then you got a good team. Are, are you going to do it, Pogba? Are you going to do it, Luke Shaw? Are you going to do it, you know, whoever else you want to name in the Man United team? Yeah. yeah. Same with Everton. You know, I don't know how they play. But yeah. They look at their players and they're on easy street. So. It's getting yeah. those top players to perform how you want them to do it, and and it's it's the collective that does it. And, and Wally, looking looking back on your your time at Reading, everything you achieved there, do you was it did did it sort of go a bit beyond expectations, or was it all kind of part of the plan? Or you know what what do you what do you think looking back now in terms of what you achieved when you were at Reading? Um, a little bit disappointed, really, because. You, you'll probably remember. Do you remember the, the, the plan that was always in the uh, foyer at the ground of the, of the extended, yeah. extension of the yeah. stadium? Yeah. Now, we got to about, I think it was January in the first year, which sort of secured staying up then, you know. I think we had the 40 points by then. And everything was geared to be going then. You know, we, when we come there, the, 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 the model was in the thing 18 months before. And the, the, the dream was sold, get to the premiership, we'll, fit, we'll sell this ground out. And then, you know, we, we got the capacity for another 15,000 or however many it was. I can't, my figures are probably wrong there. But then when we did it and uh, and nothing was happening, you know, we, we sort of fulfilled our part of it. And uh, we was hoping to, you know, we finished eighth. How are we going to push on from this? The way we push on from that would be extra revenue. More money coming in, buy better players, be more competitive, be very wary of the second season syndrome. Can't just buy the same sort of players. We've got to buy better players or improve the squad as we go. And uh, unfortunately, we, see, we we wound up with the same sort of, I wouldn't say the championship budget, but it didn't go up significantly enough for us to sort of jump the level and say, right, well, we finished eighth. Now we've got to be in the market for buying players and getting players in that can improve us on eighth. And unfortunately, the budget wasn't there. The budget sort of just stayed the same, which if you stand still in football, you know, you go backwards. And yes. although although it improved and we spent four or five million or something like that in, in that first, in the second year, I can't really remember who we bought. So I think the Czech guy came in for a few quid. There was a couple of French guys yeah, that came he in. Was yeah, he was a decent player, but you know, in a in a better side, he might have been better. But we didn't recruit that well, uh, certainly with the 
And, and but it, it it wasn't the budget where we could go right. Wow, we can have a go here. It was oh, what can we get for this? And uh, you know, it, it just it deflated. Certainly deflated me. Steve was very sort of pragmatic about it all. But once that once that model of the stadium didn't really happen, I thought ah. Oh, and that might be a case that where you know the new investment was required. If John didn't have the money or didn't want to plough the money in, but I, I, I don't know, that was politics that I never got involved with. But the dream was get into the Premier League, extend the stadium, be competitive. We got into the Premier League, got to eighth. Right, oh, here we go. What's happening? Nothing. It was never mentioned, although I wasn't but wasn't privy to you know board meetings and stuff like that. But it just seemed to fizz away. Yeah, and it should have it should have been like movement. Come on, we can do this. Like, get, where, where's the plans? Let's get going. Where's the money? You know, you, you could have you could have seen that there was progression. And it it, it might be, it might be wrong, but it, it just it certainly sort of made me think. Oh, that's sort of uh, not what was what we said was going to happen, was it? Yeah. All right. Well, Wally, absolute pleasure to uh, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, and, and really fascinating to hear about your your time at Reading. And of course, we're all very envious of you being out in Jamaica. So, you know, wish, wish you well for for the rest of the season and beyond. Cheers, boys. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Wally. Thank you, Wally. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.